This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're here, Bob and Nick, another day. How are you doing, Nick? Another day in paradise. Bob, I'm hanging in there, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm tired. I just had a uh, days of work, and, and I'm back. And ate okay, dinner. Now I'm here. Yeah, you were, uh, yeah, you were in the clinic for the whole day, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a bit new, adjusting to my new schedule, um, but it's getting there. It's fun. I'm seeing a lot of patients getting those reps in. So yeah, it's pretty much exciting. How is, how, how is it adjusting to full time in the clinic? Um, it's definitely now that like I got a good handle it. Um, it's, yeah, one, one of the things is I forget my patient's name, um, and what they did, I will, I did with them, but I just prompt them to remind me what they did and, and it's good as new. Um, so yeah, well, well, I, I have like this, um, so every time they come in, I ask them, Oh, did you do your exercise? Like we talked about, yep. They said, yep, we did. And I was like, perfect, show me your exercises. And then they just remind me. And then that just goes like that. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, how was your Sunday, Nick? It's been good, Bob. Um, kind of a restful, rejuvenating day. Um, it was actually my mother's birthday today, so I got a chance to talk to her and the family a little bit. Um, but it was good. Yeah. Had a, had yeah, happy a, your birthday to your mom. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, no, had a, happy Easter. Happy Easter, Bob. Absolutely. Um, but no, it was a good day. Um, played a little bit of basketball this morning, met with some friends, got a lot of work done around the apartment here. I'm actually getting ready to move, uh, next week and the week after. So that's kind of a exciting transition of then just getting some work done for the, uh, fellowship program. Oh, where are you moving to? Are you moving to other part of California? No, I mean, I'm staying in LA actually. I'm staying pr- pretty darn close to where I am now. But just an opportunity um, that the housemate was scouting out for a little bit of a better place, a slight upgrade. Um, not sharing bathrooms with her anymore. But then we have like a small outdoor area, so it'll be sweet, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. It's, uh, seems like you're moving up. <laughs> well, uh, we'll find out, right? If it's uh, for better, or worse, whatever happens. I'm already kind of uh, planning out a small, like mini gym setup area for our like tiny out place. For- Outside place we'll have, but uh, of course I got to run. Oh wow! Out, so I'm not just taking everything over. Is it just the two of you guys? Yeah, just two of us. Okay, that's exciting. That, that's an upgrade down the street, but you got potentially your own gym or home setup gym. But well, yeah, pretty, pretty modest. I wouldn't be getting too much new for equipment, but uh, yeah, it'd just be fun. I try and put in some uh, kind of like heavy gym floor, gym flooring or something, in a small section of it, just so I can drop weights and kettlebells and not worry about damaging anything yeah exciting now nick do you want to talk about anything today um i i came into this podcast just exhausted <laughs> so Dude, i absolutely love it no problem um i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit um especially in light of what you told me about i can't remember our patient's names man um tell me about an interesting patient this week or just something that like surprise you with the patient interaction yeah i i had one in mind coming into this this podcast um so i had this lady i (laughs) her age is probably 40 to 50 um 
she has severe arthritis in her ankle. Okay, it's just her, uh, just her left ankle. Her dorsiflexion plantar flexion is completely even on the other side of of the ankle, the foot. But her inversion is like there's it's just completely lacking, and she's been having this this severe arthritis pain for the past I don't know six, seven plus years. It's a long time. Yeah, so she's been having um, severe arthritis. Like years ago, doctors told her that she needed to get uh, get um, get screws inside just to, I guess, to help with arthritis, or just get like a an ankle replacement in general. But she works as a daycare uh, person that takes care of little kids, so she runs around on her feet. So this week was her day off, or this week was her week off. She came to see me on a Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, no, she has no history of any other pain, nothing in, in her, her knee or her hip or her back. But I was like, why not? Let's let's go screen the spine. Um, so, but but also yeah, at the same I, time, I would say you know that that definitely makes a lot of sense, Bob, especially after her you know carnitia pain after it's been going on such a long time. And was her pain at rest or only with certain activities? It's only when she walked. It's only when she weighed bared. Um, gotcha. So so it sounds like the joint itself, sure. But yeah. we know, like from studies, that the, the spine can refer to the extremity. So it just take five minutes to roll it out. Um, also, as a side note, she is like very. Um, I don't want to say morbidly obese, but on on the verge of that. Okay. So, so there's uh, a certain body demographic that might predispose her to challenges with many things already. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like hard for her to get on the table, hard to get on her stomach, all that stuff. Um, so we looked at her back, and basically I had her do, do some extension expandings over, like, the table. I had her do, like, 20 of those. She walked around. She was like, eh, maybe it's different um, in the foot. Uh, and then I had her lunge, and she was like, oh, it's a little bit better. So I was like, perfect. I'll just send you home away with this uh, just every two hours. Perform 20 of these extension standings. Um, going back the next day, right? Makes a ton of sense. I'm sorry. I said, especially when you know she's coming back the next day, you have an opportunity to really kind of screen it out and see does this thing have an effect whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, she came in a few days later, not not exactly the next day. Um, so she came back today. So I saw her today, and she was like. I did these only four times. I didn't do them every two hours like you asked me to. Yep. And my ankle hasn't hurt at all <laughs> since, like, when I saw you. Like, first of all, that's amazing, right? We'll get into it in a second. But it's pretty entertaining where it's, like, not only did I, did I not really do the exercise that often, but, like, it was a miracle cure, and I still barely did it. Yeah, no, she, she was like, yeah, when I was walking out of here, I was super surprised. I was like, my foot doesn't hurt as much. And then, like, the night of, like, after our session, she, like, laid on the bed. And for the first time in six or seven years, she was like, oh, my God, I can lay on my bed without my hurt, foot hurting as much. Um, so I was like, wow, that's exciting. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you just uh, keep on going. We'll, we'll add more reps, um, especially since you're going back to work. Next yeah. week, but that yeah that that's a uh, first time in. I mean, her her ankle motion has improved a little bit, 
but she's still so severely that, eliminated. That was, was going to be what I was going to ask, Bob. Was like, did the so the ankle range of motion was passively stiff before? Is that correct? Passively and actively. Okay, so then how has her passive and active range of motion ankle inversion changed since that intervention? Well, the the pain. Well, the pain. Um, so initially there was in-range pain and pain during movement sure. when I did passive range of motion in eversion or I'm sorry inversion. Um, that was all gone today. Okay, uh, was, was the actual magnitude of range any different itself, or was it just that? The it, it was very I marginal. Mean? It was very marginal. Okay. Maybe like so hard, so hard to tell. She might have been guarding at her at range of pain before, so we knew that hey, she was severely limited in range with a crap ton of pain. It did not change her range really, but it wasn't the mechanics involved. It was something else referred high up. Yeah. Well, she mentioned uh, that the range seems like it has improved since she started doing these exercises. So I'll take her word for it, but it looks maybe like one or two degrees different. Yeah. That doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, yeah. So, that is so, more, but again, you know, hey, she's getting motion in there. Like she's willing to actually maybe put weight on the ankle. Maybe she's willing to go through a smoother gait because she actually kind of not have the pain now. Um, either way, dude, that's a huge victory. Great job. Yeah, no, I, it's funny because I had, I started full time like three weeks ago at this, well, two weeks ago. And the past two weeks, I had two cases like this. So I had another dancer, 40 something years old, severe or moderate arthritis in the knee. Um, uh, I think four or five years kind of thing. And we just did press ups. She lunged, squat, that pain went away. And she's just, that's, yeah, basically that's it. Um, and I had her keep on doing the, the press-ups from there. So super interesting stuff that um, how much of like pain in the extremity can be referred from the back. And I know we talked about this previously, but I don't think we ever shared like specific examples. No, that's a, that's a great case, case thought, absolutely. Yeah, anything else you want to add to that? Did anything show up, any kind of neuroscreen as far as like any impaired myotomes, dermatomes, things like that? No, I I didn't. I only checked myotomes. Um, okay. But so no, nothing remarkable. And if there was anything, it would be kind of, you know, guarded by pain anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, but, but at the same time, she, she had this for so long for, for this ankle patient. So um, I didn't really expect, like, if it was going to be like a progressive neurological loss, they would have picked that up a long time ago. But, oh, but yeah, sorry, nothing really. The number of people who have this like small amounts where it's like, oh yeah, that that anterior tends just a little bit different than the other side, right? It's not like you pull it up and like the tendon just feels a little bit looser. Um, never enough to necessarily be like, oh my gosh, you have to go in for surgery, but just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, these are definitely wins for, I guess, what we'll keep on going and see what happens. Um, but yeah, there are also some some patients that are just confusing and like I don't know where to go next. Um, and I guess I guess we can talk a little bit more about this. But for me personally, I feel like oh, it's this patient is con uh, becoming more and more confusing. Um, and now I feel like I'm losing the patient. And now <laughs> they're no showing, and now they're canceling. Um, do you is, ever is feel like any, you is there a very specific um patient or type of patient that you can mind when you're saying this, Bob? Uh 
Yeah, I have like two or three on my cases on my caseload right now um, that I can't figure out in terms of classification. Or um, it, so again, it, it sounds like right. I, I get this whole concept like, hey, I'm having a hard time understanding myself. I'm like, maybe you're. I'm be. I'd be curious what kind of education or language you're using to the patient about like you trying to figure out the process um, and how bought in they are or not in that process. Um, but yeah, I'd be. I'd be curious like what your education is to them as you go throughout that. And if that does or does not promote buy-in, again, for the specific person, uh, then also, like, maybe sharing one of those cases and what you're struggling with it. Yeah. Um, I can share I, I can share a great case, but, yeah, I think it's just, I guess, how both of us communicate. So when I, like, ask a question, the response is a bit, like, out there. So it's hard for me to, I guess, better. What 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 kind of question would you ask? I'll be like, oh, um, so from this exercise, do you feel like your overall better, or worse, or the same? Mm-hmm. And they would say, oh, it's it's better, but it's also worse, but also the same. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, right, right. <laughs> so like, that that's a clear indication that. Like my interpretation of that, and again, this wasn't me at first, but as I've gotten better, a little more practice. What that tells me is that that patient wasn't ready for your question, right? They don't have the frame of mind that you have, and mm-hmm. your job is to translate that. So, what, like, so you're saying, like, hey, in the moment, like, test, treat, retest, kind of thing, right, Bob? Yeah. Okay. My recommendation, and what I've had success with for people who struggle with that kind of framing is before the exercise I mentioned, say, hey, I want you to pay a lot of attention to what you feel with this in your areas. So in like, let's say this person has like two or three different pain areas or symptom areas. What do you feel in that right now? Right? Just like get a quick recheck of the body chart. Okay, great. You're going to do this exercise, whether it's, you know, a back extension 10 times or whether it's, you know, a certain amount of goblet squats or whether it's, you know, some lunges, whatever, or nerve mobilization, whatever it is. Keep doing it, but I want you to take note of what you feel while you're doing that. And I want you to let me know at the end how that was. Other than, so like, again, just go through that, right? Then say, okay, what did you feel when you were doing that? And they still might get it confused, right? They might not know. But it's very important about, okay, you framed it. They want to focus on that at that time. And then after that, okay. So you get all the information, you clarified it. What do you feel right now? And so that way it's like they can have the opportunity just to say, hey, this is what it is now. And then maybe you can clarify. So you're like, oh, so you're saying before it was, you know, this and this and that. And now it's this. So there was a difference that happened. And they're probably going to say something like, yeah. And then you can, you know. If you want to get into the motivation or something, right, you can ask, is this difference important to you or did this difference surprise you or something like that? If you're trying to get them to recognize it, like the number of times I have people where it's like their pain they've had for three years is all of a sudden is zero. And they like seem to have like, oh, yeah, I kind of expected that. You're just going to like push me and like feel me or something. Um, but it's like actually getting them to emotionally invest in that and, and realize that. 
for themselves so that they can kind of chase that after and they can cognitively and emotionally kind of have some intention and care about that. Oh, yeah, I like that. As you were talking about it, I was like, yeah, I I, I do my best to do that. And then you mentioned uh, getting them emotionally invested. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) I can give that um, a go, especially if that works, works for you of like, oh, so it, it sounds like you're, it sounds like the pain changed for the better. Does that and, surprise and, you? And I, and, I, and I wouldn't even say better, right? I, I want, I want, and that's something that I used to do, Bob. Um, but I think I've gotten even better buying from people when they're the ones who say that's better or worse without me even framing and say, oh, that's different. Is it, is that different to you? Like, yeah, it's different. Okay. How is that different? Right. Get them to kind of, at minimum, tap into at least ask a curiosity question about what's going on with my body in this moment. Because so many people just don't have that, right? They're like, yeah. Number of people come into us, they're like, what are you feeling? Oh, I don't know. It kind of hurts sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. When I when I said better, I meant like when they said, so, so what do you even say? Like, so, so the patient says, okay, I feel better, right? And would you still say different or would you reflect back better? Ah, good question. No. So if because, they, if they, if they said the word better, um, then I would reflect that back. I'd say something about like, okay, what's better about it and get them to process that. Um, now if they, they don't say better. I don't want to be the one to put better and impose that for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but, 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 uh, go into that second part, like after they said better and after this says, okay, what, what, why is it better? Um, and then yeah, adding that yeah, third yeah. part. What? Yeah, go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. But well, adding that third part of like, oh, does that surprise you or not? Or something like that. And I thought that was impactful. And I, and I think I'll start adding that um, because it makes them think, okay, yeah, I do feel better. And it does surprise me. Okay, maybe let's do some more kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Or it can always be insightful when they say, no, it doesn't surprise me. Okay, like not just not just leave it there, right? Oh, why doesn't that surprise you, right? And that uh-huh. might give you a better outlook and understanding of their kind of current state of mind, their interaction with their body, and just different insights that you can build on for education. Yeah. Well, what would you do, Nick? Let's say, like, somebody's back pain, you do some kind of backward bends, the pain is gone, and then they're like, oh, yeah, I feel better. You ask them, okay, does that surprise you? They're like, no, um, this happens all the time. Where would you go from there? Like like you, you mentioned the ed- education part, right? But, like, yeah. can you give, like, an example? Yeah, so I think it's tough without a specific case, but um, let's say, for example, that case where it's like, hey, they've had um, – right, it, it's kind of easy to go with the whole, like, oh, you've had pain for years, and it's been all the time constant, and now it's away – um, right, that's kind of more of an obvious one, but it's like, oh, my pain kind of comes and goes. Let's say, like, you know, it bothers me if we're going like a typical, like, low back thing that I think you're going down, right? It bothers me with driving my car, not so much as like 10 minutes, but like the like 40 minutes, you know, I have to work, and then it's worse, like, the second half of the day going back home after a long day of work rather than sitting down for most of the day. Um, it gets pretty achy. I know that when I stand up, I take my resting breaks and walk. Um, it feels a lot better. Even occasionally, sometimes I lean and stretch my back out, and that like giving me a moment of relief. So in their mind, they're already doing this, right? They know it's not a surprise, but they haven't made the lifestyle change about that. Um, so I would ask something along the lines of, "Okay, why is it not surprising?" 
and they give me that story into there. Okay. So I might dig a little deeper and say, okay, so if this is something that helps you, um, what do you feel like the barriers are for you getting better? Mm. And that, that yeah. is a very open-ended question where I kind of framed it in the context of, dude, you got something that gives you pain relief. Why are you not doing it? But it also opens the avenue to their current state of mind of, okay, why, what truly is my barrier? Like, why can't it get better? And for them, maybe it's that, oh, I can't figure out a way in the office to do something or like my commute's too stressful or some other things there. Okay, great. Let me plan my interventions and my habit modification education around those things that are your biggest barrier. Because ultimately, I think whatever the patient is in physical therapy, I view my job as let me try and make myself a coach to eventually make myself as obsolete as possible so the patient can have that ownership. Uh, then, you know, they're coming to me with kind of a somewhat kind of an, of an impairment in mind. And that impairment might be, hey, I don't know how to navigate my daily life <clears throat> to help me out with this pain. So I view my role, okay, let me help troubleshoot that. Yeah, no, I like that. Nick, what were the, what was that sentence again? Like, what barriers are in your way? Could, could yeah, you just but, repeat? Uh, yeah, this, this wasn't even rehearsed. It just kind of came out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't plan this exact stuff. Um, there's some things I do. Um, let me, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> what? And again, for anybody listening to this podcast, you just hit rewind like a minute later and you'll hear it. And you guys sure. can actually judge me on how much I remember what I say or not. So I'll probably not get this correct. Um, but what do you feel are your barriers to getting better? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, again, yeah. Some, some patients, Bob, aren't ready for that. Or they'll give an answer where you're like, really? That's your barrier? But for them, that might be the most important thing at the time, whether it's actually true or not. That's their perception. And that can be a big benefit. Yeah. No. Um, I guess to add on to that, uh, I guess further from my from my clinical practice, from what I've had so far, is like in the beginning, I would ask myself questions. Okay, did you do exercises? How often? Show me your exercises. Are you better or worse the same? And uh, on a scale of zero to hundred, zero being day one, hundred percent where you want to be. Where would you put yourself? And they would say twenty five percent. And I would be like, okay, what's that last seventy five percent to get you to hundred percent? And that question is important framing. Yeah, and then that allows me to really get to where they want to go, kind of thing, because like. If it's just like, oh, I can't run. Okay, that day, if I think they're able to, to get on the treadmill, okay, I'll throw them on the treadmill. Just start walking, run for 30 seconds if I need them to be. Um, but I think those those mindset questions of like, okay, what are these? What are the barriers to full recovery? What do you think is limiting you? And then tackling that on a smaller scale is is really, I think, impactful for the patient itself. And you know, something that um. I wasn't great with until after a few months of some feedback and everything and recognizing that, you know, I got better at asking all these questions, being detailed and things, kind of getting a little bit more specific as I've been able to. But questions are taxing you. Questions take a toll on people. And people are already coming to us in pain where they might not be in the kind of best state of mind where pain is occupying a lot of their mind and the business throughout the day and all these kind of deep thoughts that the you know the patients aren't thinking themselves all the time because otherwise they just tell us and they kind of work on them um or at least not the cognitive forefront 
asking repeated, repeated, repeated questions does take a burden on people. And so I think something I've worked lately on myself is, okay, what's my exact intention behind this question? And does it serve a purpose in this moment for this patient? And when the answer is yes, like it's going to be beneficial, great, I do it. But I found that I kind of like narrow down and like get rid of a third of my questions pretty easily with that. Yeah. Um, as you're as you're saying this, I can think of like as one patient specifically that I lost just because I asked too many questions and she was in just a lot of pain. Um, yeah. It's like uh, basically super painful both her hips and I, I asked her like a lot of questions during the history and she was like oh you're asking me so many questions I don't know and I was like oh like, tell, me more, tell me more about what kind of questions you're asking her well questions like like we talked about um does doing this make you better or worse or the same and she would be like oh um I don't know maybe worse and I'll be like, okay, let's do something else. So I'll change directions or change loads. And I'll do the same thing. I'll be like, okay, doing, doing this make you better or worse the same. Um, so so I, I guess my follow-up to, to this talk or, or our discussion in general. I'm going to you for a second, Bob. Because yeah. it sounds like my, my interpretation of what you said is that you were asking for information that was pertinent to you to best help her at the time. Yes, correct. Okay. It also sounds like you were expecting her, even though they sound like to us and many people like very simple dots to connect, you were expecting her to connect these dots um, that she just gave evidence to that she wasn't able to connect by herself. And mm -hmm. after, after her kind of having two or three times of like, all right, like, listen, she's for whatever reason, she's not following it. She's not getting it. Um, to ask that same question again when you know she doesn't have it. And again, I do, I'm preaching the choir here a little bit, but I, I fall into this trap too of like, you know, somebody had a really hard time answering like two of my questions on a similar type of thing. Why would I ask them a third time? Yet, you know, sometimes I forget or tiredness, fatigue, or, you know, it's just I somehow I expect them to. Um, and I, I lose track of that. Okay. Well, I guess my follow-up question to that, Nick, is, is, is um, yeah, my follow-up question is, like, how do, how do you know when, like, what, what when that, that kind of, or uh, when you're asking too many questions and the, the patient's not processing, I guess. I, I mean, you did mention, of, oh, they'll give you feedback of, like, they're just not on the same page, and you just have to recognize that as a clinician, but no, and that's a great question, Bob, because um, there are some times where some patients don't understand it, and sometimes that means ask less. Sometimes, like in the initial history, that actually means, I think, ask more and kind of really say, hey, this is really important for me, and frankly, this is really important for you to best help me. Um, to the best of your ability, can you tell me about X, Y, or Z, right? And just ask like a specific question that's a little bit more digestible, a little bit more bite-sized, um, whether you want to get like the severity, the irritability, the nature of the problem. And it's very hard to do that um, if the patient doesn't answer certain questions. But I'd argue that when 
questioning in the interview, the initial eval gets difficult. I think a lot of people skip over some of those important information pieces where it's like, you know, by the time visit four happens, it's like, oh yeah, I didn't get this piece of information and I'm greatly affected. Kind of part of the patient's outcomes that I skipped over early. So I think that early on, even though it can turn some patients off, it's important to get that info and then eventually learn how to do that in ways that kind of makes it seem a lot more natural. So you're saying you you would ask more questions at the beginning, because because this is I I would personally disagree a little bit with that. Um, yeah. I would say if if it just gets too confusing in the history, then you become even more lost if you're mm-hmm. asking too many questions. Good, Bob. Good. I lo- I like that point you brought up. Um, and then I, well, I well, never ask more questions for the sake of it being confusing. The questions I'm asking are for providing clarity. Okay, I see. Um, but but to add on to my point, like if if it's well, if you ask one simple question and they give you like a whole story of their life, right? And it just it just gets bogged down. Um, I would just be like, okay, let me just start the the examination process and go from there. That that's what I I because I think maybe you can just get more information from the examination rather than the history itself, if you're not getting anything after repeated attacks. Yeah, yeah what, what, what are your thoughts? That, that's a good point. Um, I have, and I think that you brought up a good point with the history, right? Is that I think people often get into like the deep history of like, oh, when did this originally start nine years of chronic pain ago for you? Um, you know, maybe I care about that as a narrative a little bit, but I really don't care all that much. Um, sounds bad saying that out loud, but like, I, I don't that much. I need to care about what's going on at this moment for you or in this recent history and like maybe your thought processes around it. So yeah, I, I don't get a ton of like, tell me about your entire life story from this. No, I'm like, hey, to help and part of this was like, guys are one of my mentors too, but using the phrasing of like, hey, now that I understand a little bit more about you, which was really helpful, I really want to know what do you feel is your main problem at this stage. And you need to really frame it. Is your, is your, yeah, is your main problem at this stage. So give them to frame it in the context of now. They start talking about their hip fracture four years ago. I'm going to stop them right there. I'm going to say, hey, um, you know, I appreciate that, but that actually doesn't, and I, sometimes some patients will be as blunt to this, that doesn't help me to help you right now. What do you feel is the main problem right now for you? Mm. And just really get them to kind of focus in on that. Because I agree, right? We can ask patients more and more questions, and it's like all of a sudden we have their autobiography and still no information that we need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, – and, and some people have some very fascinating autobiographies. By the end of the day, they're here to get our help, not just sit around the campfire. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, I thought that was <laughs> – I came in unprepared. I was like, oh, this this episode, I'm going to be so tired. Uh, I don't even know if we're going to talk about anything. <laughs> and, and look at us now. podcast is like meditating silence for an episode. <laughs> and 30 minutes in, we're, we're, we're talking about all the good stuff. I like it, Nick. I like it. Um, do you want to hit on some accountability? Yeah, dude. I think that sounds like a good idea. Um, you know... Last week, it was uh, about getting a couple articles done, reading 
some of that stuff. Um, that was good to do. Still got some more work to do on that. But then I say coming up where with me moving apartments pretty soon, it's really just staying on top of all my fellowship things while I'm, you know, staying on top of that whole process of moving and everything. So um, that's where I'm at. It's just kind of staying on the grind and having a successful move and attempting to make it as less stressful as possible. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, uh, for me, I would say, um, uh, last week I just wanted to sit down, refigure everything. Um, and the plan now is again, to just be, try to grow as much as a clinician as I can, um, finish this residency strong. And I realized like, as I'm become full time, like remembering what I did with the patients is harder and harder. Um, just because there's just so many more patients sure. compared to part-time. So I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe just at like the end of the day, I'll take a notebook. I'll write down all my patients' name. I'll have them as what my classification is, what I did today, and the following session, what will I do next? Um, and then I'll go from there. I think that's that's where I'm at. I like but, it. And, you know, to make it, if this resonates with you, give it a try, but... What I'd recommend is, you know, intentionally just trying to get efficient with this, right? So maybe for each patient, you set a timer for one minute. And if you finish all those, like, small bullet points before the minute, restart it and do that for the next patient. But if you have patients where you're, like, you're stuck with, what will I do next time, right? And you're spending, like, five minutes on each patient or ten minutes, that's going to keep sustainable. Again, there are some patients, right? We all know the ones where it's like, man. I gotta talk to some of my other mentors. I got a game plan about this. But I think for overall, it's like, okay, what's the quick thing to do? And so that way, this kind of accountability thing remains feasible for you. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm gonna say like this is like a max of 10 minutes a day kind of thing. Nice. Um, just because most of my patients, like they're easily classified. They're, I, I know what they're doing. It's just like one or two. It's like, okay, what am I doing now? Kind yeah, of thing. Totally. Um, you know, Bob, I, I still have that raise. I've got, you know, even a couple of my patients I'm bringing into mentor sessions. Actually, all of them right now are, like, really good to have as a mentor. gets like, for the little details and everything. That's one person especially. is Like, you know, I'm spending a lot of time reflecting on it. It's not like I have no idea what to do. It's like I, I do, and I know what the next steps are and everything. Um, but it's still that refining process, you know, and you, you, never, you never fully get there. You just get better and better. Exactly. All right. Well, it was a pleasure, Nick. Until next week. Take care, Bob. All right. Take care.